This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock. Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest. Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go, www.rockabilia.com. When the anniversary of the death of someone you admire comes, sometimes you can be at a loss for words. Sugar! Introducing System of a Down's Darren Malakian's Serial Killer Sympathy Cards. Here's some audio examples of our bestsellers. John Wayne Gacy's art was so profound. I miss him so much. And fucking and murdering kids doesn't define him. Sugar! They're trying to build a prison. And another great example. Oh, Jeffrey Dahmer, being a cannibal in this world is so hard. People can never understand your diet. I love you and hope your birthday cake in hell is made out of penis this year. They're trying to build a prison. And don't forget every year's bestseller. True misunderstood genius, Ted Bundy. Fucking Ted Bundy, man. You showed us all that if you're going to kill, why not rape? Darren Malakian, serial killer, sympathy card. La 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 la. Keep their memories alive. Because what else are you going to do? Write a new record? Asshole? Sugar! It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich. Brandon Hahn and Jocelyn Sharp. Go Metal Sucks Podcast. I am your host, Feather Spike. I am always joined by the very happy Brandon Hahn and Jocelyn Sharp, who is here, who is present, who is on the intro, and also happy. Yay! I love it. And you know why I'm happy? Because guess who we're interviewing this week? Tell us, Pete. Woody Weatherman from the mighty and obviously one of my favorite bands of all time, Corrosion of Conformity. Their new record, No Cross, No Crown. First one with Pepper, 12 years, 13 years, comes out January 12th, 2018. Can't wait for you guys to hear my talk with him. Do you think like everybody in his family is a meteorologist and he went through like a Disney journey where he was like, I want to rock. They were like, come do the weather. And then they bought him a guitar and at the end, and then it was like happy ending. And then, and then, fine, and then they saw him play the guitar, and, and his then mom like, was just kind of like, yeah, go for it, Woody. I accept you. No. <laughs> so on, on our ways to the news, guys, like, every now and then things happen that are just like, I just stop and I'm like, really? Really? And this is one of those things. Every now and then? Every, dude, every really? week. Really? Every week. I'm saying every day. Every day, you think? Just about. It's, but it doesn't involve someone fa- like people that I like, like, like. or respect. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So Charles Manson passed away. Thank God. You know, Bye. I'm very happy he's dead. Why? I'm sure we all are. You're not? You're, what, you're okay with? Well, I mean, never did anything to me. Oh, that's, <laughs> I hate yeah, you. that's the selfish society we live in. I love it. No, Charles Manson didn't do nothing to me. Uh, but anyway, System of a Down uh, guitarist. But I will say this, though, about Charles Manson. Like, for, the, for, those, for, the, for, the people that, for the people that are like, fuck him, fuck him, fuck him. And the ones that are always like, oh, mental health. People need mental health. It's not their fault. Charles Manson 
is like your quintessential poster boy for crazy. Yeah. But why doesn't he get the kind of like, I mean, there's been lots of people out there that have murdered people, you know, or actually he didn't murder anyone. He talked someone into murdering for him. Do you want to leave that rant on tape or do you want to start over? No. Why? You want to leave it on? Yeah, why? let's have it. All no, right. I'm, just asking, <laughs> I'm just asking though, why, why, why does society get to pick and choose what people with mental health problems get the sympathy in those that don't? When uh, someone that is involved in murdering yes. innocent people, yeah. you don't mourn them. Especially a pregnant lady. Yeah. Oh, that, oh. That's all I'm saying. Mental health or not. You know, yeah. you could say Dylan Roof has mental health issues, but when he passes, I really hope I don't see, you know, Ozzy Osbourne saying, poor Dylan Roof. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How about the victims? Look, there were, there were people out there that have murdered people, and then they claim the insanity plea, and then now they're walking free. They're I not. Mean, yes, they you are. You go to life sentence in an institution. Yeah, it's not a jail. If you, if you, I think Jocelyn's right on that. You go, you don't go to a jail. You go to like an institution. They're not. The judge isn't like, oh, you're insane. Oh. Let's put you <laughs> on the street. Go. That's you can you have your said. job back at Coles. That's not true because there was a guy in Canada. Now, granted, it's Canada, yeah. not America, but they were on a bus, and this guy all of a sudden just pulls out a Bowie knife, stabbed people, stabbed the guy, stabbed the guy in the neck, cut his head off, mm-hmm. was walking around the bus, and now in Canada. He is not only not only does he get to leave the asylum every now and then, but he can have like a couple of hours where he's like, I'll go to the store and he comes right back. I mean, like, why does that guy get the lenient leniency? And you're going to tie this into uh, Charles Manson. All I'm saying is, is why? Why do certain people murderers? Yeah, I'm just saying, why do some people get get? I'm not saying Charles Manson doesn't deserve to die. I'm not saying I'm not happy that he's dead. But what I'm saying is, is why do some people? feel sorry for others that have done similar crimes systems broken i think that Bowie knife guy should still be in it seems like charles manson's fame that he he's had his entire life regardless that he's in jail yeah that to me irks me he got married so many yeah so many people know his name and and all that stuff help help the beach boys uh, uh, yeah i mean everything that he's been uh led to i mean or in, in any kind of facet that like it, it it bothers me so that he's gone now i never want to hear his name or give a shit about him again okay that's where i'm at that makes sense so <laughs> you just you explain you're like look the fame that he got because of it is why you hate him so i'm like now it makes sense uh darren uh from system of down guitar player mastermind he pretty much sent out a a tweet that he was very sad to hear the news about charles manson's death and uh during the time when he wrote the toxicity album which is a flawless masterpiece of a record uh, Manson's interviews and music were a big influence on him as an artist, um, and he and he also took a picture of himself wearing a Man- Manson, Charles Manson T-shirt and a painting that his father painted behind him. Of you can see a swastika in the middle of it, obviously representing Charles Manson's beliefs. People got really upset with this. Brandon, do you understand why? Uh, let's see here. Yes. <laughs> are you okay. Dora, are you Dora I'm, the exploring him right yeah. now? No, I'm, I'm, just, the I'm, just, I'm the map. I'm the map. I'm the map. But it's a great example of like it was a great example of how you were saying um, people can pretty much twist it to any way like the mental health thing. I do see where you're kind of going with that. I just don't think you can go with that because Charles Manson's life should have been a lot worse for him. Absolutely, that's the whole thing that that upsets yeah. me. So to glorify him when he's dead, like I said, people will know the names of Jeffrey Dahmer and John. Even though we made fun of him in a bit, that was sarcasm. The bit, um, Dude, people will know their names longer than they'll know our names but because I, they did heinous things to innocent people. You're mm-hmm. totally right. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, though, is like there are people out there too. I mean, look, the guy was married to some like 26 year old chick. He didn't go through with that. Oh, he didn't go. No, through No, she it? was she was just marrying him for like obviously for his inheritance and money, and then he figured it out, and he, they didn't they didn't go through. Uh, with that, but that's you're right. That was media. That was all over the news. What kind of money would he possibly have? 
Um, I believe she can sell a lot of like his his estate and his name. Unfortunately, is They're, is worth money. It's just out there. Something, yeah. bro. I mean. I mean Charles Manson's the rights to his life story, all those things. There's, there's, yeah, there's, I thought if she was, I thought it was like you know, well he's he, she, he's dead. This is what this is what he left behind, and it's like a fruit cup or something like that, or a spork that they gave at the uh, prison infirmary, which <laughs> should also make you upset with you know the dude from System of a Down, Darren's kind of assessment of keeping that fame going, yeah, and saying oh he's a a great musician on and he did all these other things and people covered his songs and. If Charles Manson writes a song, I think we as a culture should be like, we don't even want to hear it. Yeah. We well, don't even too, want to hear it. Well, it's too bad because the Beach Boys, I mean, they, they, he, he helped write a lot of the, some of the Beach Boys music and some of those songs turned out to be hits. I mean, you, you, the thing is, though, is granted, his name might be mentioned in the credits, but I mean, it, it's still the Beach Boys song. You know what I mean? But the thing is, though, is with Manson, it's like the, the, fact, the bottom line is this, is just the fact that people worship him worship him for this fame. That's what's scary. I mean, Charles Manson represents the scariest part of the human nature, you know, where it's like the fact that they will glorify this fame that he has, like he's bigger than life. And it's like, no, he's a crazy person who talked weak people into following him. Let's just go with that. But it it doesn't work like that. It's so marketable. And that's a, and that's the thing that we were talking about before we're on air is that true crime podcast or true crime is people are obsessed with it and they love it. There's a whole channel now dedicated to it. Yeah. And it's like, and then you got to ask yourself, like, why are we so fascinated at knowing people that really just shouldn't be known? You know, like if you, if you break it down and I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm saying anything crazy here. If you break it down, like if you witnessed something like this, if you witnessed, uh, like I said, a John Wayne Gacy murder a child right in front of you, right? It would haunt you the rest of your life yet we're okay with passing the story and telling it and keeping his name alive rather than letting him die when he died in the election. Well, I think it's fear. It's fear that makes you do it because it's kind of like it, when something terrible happens, you always, well, what happened? Well, why? Well, then what happened? Like you're just curious because you're, you're scared. You're fearful. It's anything bad that happens, you want to know more about it because there's this human condition that we think that knowing more is going to bring us closure, but it doesn't. See, I think it's because people love to hate. And so th- if they're granted you know, a past to hate someone, they, they, they mix it up with love and they're like, and they learn more about them because they hate them. I think yeah. people have put the same passion to hate as they do to love. But, and that's why so many things are, um, that we hate is in the media all day because yeah. they know that we will react to it because we love to hate things. We love to feel better than those things that we despise, like a Charles Manson, like a, like I said, like a Dylan roof, like his name shouldn't even be printed. But what it is, what though, he did it in, at that church. Like, but what it is, I don't though, even want to ex- know his face or name. But we love to hate him. So that's the first thing when when some crazy shooting happens. It's like, ooh, let me see him. People want it so bad, and right. the media is running for well, it. Well, it's because it's because they're attracted to the taboo. That when somebody goes out and does something that none of us have ever thought about, the thought hasn't even entered our head, and they're doing it. It's inconceivable. It's inconceivable. It's almost like you just want to, people just want to know why. People, I think, I think the human nature, they're always obsessed with how and why. Yeah, because people Why would someone do that? And that's what it is. They, they, I think what happens is, is, is they, they delve into somebody like Charles Manson, and they, they're just looking for this closure so they could go, now I understand why he's such a psychopath and then they, and it helps them kind of 
move on. Understanding is what helps it move on. Problem is, is people are trying to find an answer. You're not going to find one. With, yeah, where there is no answer. I, I love forensic psychology. I read a ton of books about forensic psychology, but all it does is make my fears worse. I never get, and now I'm just, because you're afraid the monster's around the corner, the monster's under your bed, the monster's in your closet, because that's what guys like this teach us, is that they are. They're around the corner. I think it's because we're conditioned by the media to want to know these things. When in actuality, we do understand that there's crazy people out there and that people get harmed on a regular basis. But say you take a million people, you know, you know, 999,000.983 live their lives in a good, healthy way, and you have 17 bad ones. But we always are conditioned to know what those 17 did. But it, but, and we want to know despite everything else that is running smooth. Well, I think another thing, too. And then too, we want to glorify it. See, but the thing is, though, is there's so many ways. The whole glorify thing that you're referring to, mm-hmm. if somebody just brings it up, if, so, if I say Dylan Roof's name, that could be perceived as glorification. It's not. It's just me trying to find out who did this, why the fuck did they do this? And then you try to find a solution so it'll never happen again. I think that's what happens. But, they, but again, when you're, yeah. when you're looking for a solution to unpredictable, insane people. Like, there is no solution. Humans think they have more control over life than they do. That's what it is. That's what it is. And it's like, and the thing is, is once that control ends up leaving their grasp, they become obsessed with it. And that's, and I think that's why people look at guys like Charles Manson, they look at guys like Dahmer and Gacy and Fish and all these other insane people because they've done things that we could couldn't even possibly conceive of thinking, you yeah. know, there's no way we would be able to do that or even think about it, let alone even watch a movie about it. But, but people but, are passionate about those names you just said. They're passionate about knowing everything about those names. And that's where I question it. Because what, what Darren did from System of a Down makes sense. I think what he said out there, he thought a lot of people would relate to and be like, oh, yeah, 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 I, Charles Manson, I, poor guy. You know, he's gone. We lost the villain. We lost Freddy Krueger. No, Freddy Krueger's made up. But you see what I mean, though? But what I'm saying is, is they're like, despite what he was, despite the insane and crazy person that he was, look at all the beautiful things that he did do. I mean, that's, it's awful. It's, it, like, you have to understand that there are going to be certain things out there. What Darren, I think, was trying to say is like, don't let those awful things define him. And it's like, no, dude, they, he, they, that's why he's known. I think, though, that's that I, you know, Pete's right. I, I think that we're talking about the majority of people and how they react to these things and why they're fascinated by them. But then there is a small percentage of those people that are fascinated by this stuff that do glorify it. Yes. They get tattoos of these people yes. that hang up posters in their room, that mm-hmm. paint paintings, that dedicate their entire website to them, that have fan pages and fan clubs for them. Like, like they're a celebrity, like they're like they've done something. But the majority of people, I do think it's because we crave closure and we think knowing is going to make us feel more safe, but it doesn't. And then the rest of the people, I think Pete's right. It's just I think this, we crave fear. Yeah. We crave being afraid of things. We, we, I love horror movies and I love the feeling of fear, but to me, it's an initial reaction, not an overwhelming reaction. And I think we as a society like to be overwhelmed with that fear. But my That's thing the is, same thing with, 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 Go ahead. You just said you love horror movies, though. And in a way, does that not glorify violence? Does no, that I not love, glorify murder? I, no, well, it's fictitious. It, it, does it glorify? No, I don't think so. I don't think I'm just, so at all. I, I'm, I'm, getting, I think I'm just what playing it does, devil's advocate. I'm not trying to say ban all horror movies. I think, it, it, I think that it, it incites fear. 
which we like to have as an emotion in a film. We like to feel something when we see art. So if I call a horror movie art, we like to laugh. We like to fall in love. We like to, you know, get taken to a but world like Star Wars. you just nailed it. You just nailed it. These serial killers make people feel something. But these are fictitious. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. But these are fictitious stories. But what I'm and saying. And we, we are now taking real life. That's what I'm getting at. It's like they're getting off on the thrill of real life. I mean, some, some insane person. This is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And then they just go up. I mean, dude, just like you were saying, I mean, there are horror movie uh, historians out there that just study horror movies. Yeah, there are classes. I'm, I'm one of those. I'm just saying. <laughs> right. But there are classes in college yeah. that are horror movie related. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's like there, there's this there's this obsession with the macabre that some people do. The problem is those there's a lot of people out there that they will look at what. Like, for example, in Darren's situation, he's looking at the other contributions Charles, make, Charles Manson made. And look, the Beach Boys will tell you they're like, yeah, we knew he was crazy, but we didn't think he was that fucking crazy. But he also helped bring certain things to light. And it's, it's almost like it's but a thing. But along his lines, though, it's almost like, look, Hitler wasn't a bad guy. He painted you know what I mean? It's like it's along those lines it's where a, it's like where it's like don't let these awful things define him. It's like no, dude, that's what defined him. He's an insane person who talked weak people into murdering. For if him. someone can't breathe anymore and a life is taken, that defines you. Yes, absolutely. And I don't care if that's a, a, a moment of weakness or whatever you want to sell it as. That is going to define you forever because someone you took away from this planet and you felt that you for some reason had that power and were allowed to end the life. A good life, an innocent life, a life that matters. So, therefore, to mourn that life of someone like that, it's just bad fucking judgment. It's horrible. It's strange to me. It's really weird to me, but it makes sense in this society. And I understand that in metal and all that stuff, like glorifying uh, a certain type of villainous character, it, it comes with our genre because we... We, in essence, let's look at it this Live way, in the darkness. You, you can't know? have a you can't have a good suspense film. You can't have a good action film. You can't have a good horror movie without a unbelievable villain. And Charles Manson Not true. is a, 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 you can't have a good action movie without a great villain. I think that you can have a good horror movie without a great yeah. Villain. Racer was a good action movie. James Caan was not a great villain. You are crazy. <laughs> he was great in that movie. <laughs> Fuck you, bro. <laughs> I, Fuck you. I think what Pete's saying... Uh, Sonny wasn't great? <laughs> I, I think what Pete's saying holds weight, though, because five years ago, you could walk down the street, eight guys would be wearing a Che Guevara shirt. Che Guevara? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And and the thing is, I was, again, there's another guy right there. And I'm sure I'm sure he, I'm sure sure he, guys like Rage Against the Machine and all that, they're always wearing those Che Guevara shirts, and they're just like, oh, but you know what? He fought doing what he loved. I know not, not doing what... But he fought, he fought for a purpose, you know? And it was like, he stood for something. It's like, yeah, he stood for murder on top of murder Murder. on top of (laughs) murder and fucking and on top of that crazy racist that's why it was so cute when Colin Kaepernick was out there wearing that shirt and he's like you don't understand what he did I'm like dude that guy would have hated you yeah in all of his writings he hated black folks but again he stood for something and he died standing for something it's like no dude you got to look what he stood for right and I think that's and 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 I think that's kind of we'll we'll leave it on that we definitely went kind of Interesting here. We went deep. I, I had four stories to laugh about, and we went deep. <laughs> I'm, I'm blaming you because you defended Charles Manson for a second because of his mental health. Do we it? just start over like we have the last couple of episodes? <laughs> I also blame Gooch because I'm wearing a very whimsical sweatshirt. So yes, I obviously it's a was Buzz Lightyear. We started, you guys. I'm happy, Brandon. I'm happy, Jocelyn. And boom. Then, yeah, and then what? boom. We had to talk about fucking Manson. No, dude, no, we're fine. Okay, no, good. So, okay. I mean, hey, I think it's okay. 
You know, I'm not not a big deal. But what I want to talk about now, let me talk about something that came out last Friday. Is is it the opposite of serial murderers? Uh, it's the total opposite, dude. Tell it's me, joy. Pete. It's it's an I love icon. Joy. I love it's, icons. It's excellence, dude. Last the last Friday, guys. You know what came out? Hmm. That's right. Metal Blade Records released its follow-up to 2006 poignant Dimebag Daryl video memorial set, Dime Vision Volume 1. That's the fun I have. And that one is dubbed Dime Vision Volume 2, Roll With It or Get Rolled Over. The DVD and CD set includes more raw footage, true gems, and classic moments with five previously unreleased demos. Guys, get that right now. You can pre-order it, your copy, at MetalBlade.com slash DimeVision. It's out everywhere right now in stores. Uh, we're recording this before Friday, so I did not get my copy yet because it is Thanksgiving this week, so we're recording a little early. But anyways, guys, if you got your copy, make sure you enjoy after the holidays. Uh, the Dime anticipation Vision. on your face. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm going to get it you know, Friday. So anyways, but uh, yeah, don't miss out on that, guys. Oh, dude, I love seeing Dime. It's, it's been too long since Dime Vision Volume 1. I really, it's going to be like a whole kind of bring it back type thing. So with that said, guys, if uh, make sure you get your copy, as we said. But now we get to talk to one of my... Dude, without a shadow of doubt, COC, probably my number two favorite band of all time. My number one's probably Down, Pepper Keenan. I think you said Faith No More was your favorite band. Faith No More was my favorite band growing up. Down took over over the years, dude. I'm sorry, but Pepper's riffs just speak to me in volumes. And COC, like I said, ain't no band band greater than that to me. So uh, here's my talk, guys, with Woody Weatherman. Hey, everybody. This is Petter with the Metal Sucks podcast on the phone. I've got the mighty Woody Weatherman from Corrosion (laughs) of Conformity. Um, We're here to talk about the new record coming out January 12th, uh, 2018. The first must-have record of 2018. No cross, no cross. Woody, how are you today, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm chilling at the house today. The sun's out. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing up here. And uh, I'm kind of close to the mountains up here in Virginia, and it's it's uh, crazy. It still feels like summer almost. Oh, not, yeah, the weather's been really weird. I'm in Las Vegas, and so we're supposed to be cold for Las Vegas now, but we're still, like, right. out. The, the people are still at the swimming pools, you know? So it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's already like almost December. Last year we only got like two cold months. It was a strange, strange weather thing. So, um, but I remember I saw you guys just recently out here at the Psycho Vegas Festival, and I, I remember it was excessively. For I thought it was excessively hot for August because usually we go downhill. But uh, I don't know how you felt because you guys got more of a. In, you're in Virginia though, not North Carolina right now. You said right. I'm not too far. I'm just right across the border. I'm a couple hours from Raleigh. When we oh. when it's time to get down to business, I just uh, jump on I-40 and I'm there. You know, in a minute or two. Cool. And so the weather is a little bit. It's muggier up there, though, right? It's, it doesn't have this dry heat. Yeah, it's, it's the same kind of stuff as down in Raleigh. I'm, I'm you know, it's uh, in, in the summertime, man. You're up here sweating bullets, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. So let's jump right in and talk about this new record. We're extremely excited about No Cross, No Crown. I mean, this is your first record uh, with Pepper since, uh, I mean, the epic in the arms of God. I mean, do you consider this more of a follow-up to that record, or is it kind of a follow-up to Nine? Well, you know, I think, I think whatever we, you know, it's been a couple of years we've been back playing shows, you know, as the four-piece, and the whole time we've been going like, well, you know, let's get, let's jump off and start a record. I mean, you know, another tour would come up, you know, and it was like, we just kept on going and going, you know, and eventually we were like, okay, no more, no more shows, let's, we're, we're jumping in the studio, you know, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, from, from the get-go, we're like, well, where, you know, because we never, it's never like a conscious thing, but we're like, well, uh, where should 
we hop in on this thing? And, and of course, the, the obvious thing was, well, where did we leave off? We left off at in the arms of God. Let's, you know, make it a natural progression from there and let it flow as it goes. But uh, I kind of feel like that's what happened. You know, there's some pretty bombastic stuff on the new one here. And there's a couple of, you know, booty-shaking uh, kind of things, you know. And, and, and there's our segues that we always like to throw in there in the middle of things. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's a classic corrosion record, you know. Yeah, cool, man. And I, I mean, I got to see you on the uh, one of my, your guys' package towards the best. And we'll talk about the Black Label one coming up. But I remember seeing you guys on that In the Arms of God. It was Motorhead, you, and Zeke out here in Vegas. Yeah, and that was I, awesome. Yeah, the Inferno tour when Motorhead put that record was like one of my favorite of their latter days, too. So it was just such an, and the only time I ever saw Zeke, I don't even know if they're active anymore, but that band was is, is great. But you guys played the title track of In the Arms of God, and I right. just remember being floored. And I'm like, this is the ending statement. And I'm like, the next record's going to be like, I'm going to follow it right after that track in my mind, right? Um, but uh, and so yeah, I, I just uh, I just remember that, and then the hiatus happened. And um, back in the day, I, I on the li- live volume DVD, I remember you saying like it was an interview or kind of like a quick segment. But you're like, since because you've been in COC since 1982, since you've been you know a kid, you said, hey, there's never I've never had a day job my entire run here, right? <laughs> And then in 2006, you guys went on a hiatus. So I was like, hmm, did Woody have to get a day job? That's right, right. Is Woody working at the seven eleven or whatever? I'd be happy to. You know, this is, a working man's a working man. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm down with it. Uh, I do what I got to do. You know, I've, I'm, I've been pretty lucky throughout my life. So I've, uh, you know, been, been lucky enough to always kind of be able to do music and, and make it happen. And I feel, uh, you know, pretty blessed for that, man, no doubt. For sure. And now that and that's a lot to do with the like the timing is everything. People always say that in life. And I, I mean, it's true. Um, but like if a new band started now, like if COC started now, it would be almost impossible to, to get to that step. Do you feel because of the way the industry is? Because back then, it's, it's a, I feel like it would be an uphill climb. But, you know, it, it was for us as well. You know, we spent years and years doing our stuff. And I mean, uh, you know. It's like, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the 35-year overnight sensation kind of thing, you know, still going on, we're waiting on it, <laughs> but it's all good, you know, um, I would, it would be tough coming out, uh, doing our style of music just fresh out of the gate right now, I think, uh, you know, it's hard to say, I think we've always uh, sort of been able to rely on our fans through the years, and, and luckily that we've got a pretty solid fan base that's are loyal, you know, and, and have stuck with us. So, uh, it's that's, easy. That's, that's a big difference, man. You know? It's easy to stick with you guys, though, because you guys always put out quality. Like you know what's good, and, and like the familiarity. Like even when I the first thing I looked, it's funny enough. I'm like, oh, who produces John Custer? Okay, I know. <laughs> you know this is this is all familiar to me. This works. This is a, an arrangement that's going to work for sure. You know. So, but uh, did you guys? Custer's, Custer's done everything since Blind. Yeah. You know? He did the blind record, and, and from there on out, we're just like, man, we like we like working with Custer. I couldn't see us really doing anything without Custer. He's uh, he knows what we do. He brings out the the best in us, you know, and and uh, makes us work. puts our, puts the nose to the grindstone, and uh, you know, and we we basically show up with riffs, and then he helps us transform it in, into what what they want wound up being on the record. You know, he's uh, he's somewhat of an integral part. You know, I mean, he's. He's a better guitar player than any of us in the band, and he's just a better musician. <laughs> he's like, oh. He knows a lot about music, and, and he, uh, he just, you know, 
you to do do what you do the best way that you can, you know. For sure. And but the records do even though he produced them all since blind like you said, there is a different style and kind of sound in the production in certain records. Like a America's Volume Dealer has a a little bit more of a a cleaner style. Um was right. that because of the riffs you guys were putting out there and like I said in the arms of God had a I mean I feel like the drumming was... I know Stanton Moore was on that one, I believe, but I, I know the, the drumming was very... I mean, I don't know how to explain it. It was very, like, almost machine gun-like in that record. Right. You know? He was, he was very bombastic. That, that was... I mean, Stanton, you know, that, that was his first foray into that style of music, you know? He's, his band is galactic, yeah. you know, out in New Orleans, so it was like a di- totally different direction for him. You know, he's like, well, guys, what are we... What are we you know, what are we... Process and then me and Pepper were like, well, thank Ian Pace, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, go go in that direction, you know, because that was, I mean, we were, that was kind of an angry album in the in the arms of God. We were kind of pissed off, you know, and so it kind of came out in in the tunes and, uh, you know, but uh, but you're talking about Volume Dealer, yeah, you know, we were a little, little mellow, you know, that day. <laughs> and, and to be honest, that was like the first time we'd ever. Dealt into the Pro Tools kind of thing and, and uh, it was all new not only to us but to John and to the engineers and stuff so it was like I think maybe that played a role in it too but I think uh, Volume Dealer stands up today man I mean it's it's different than some of our other stuff but I hear so many people say man that's my favorite damn COC record I'm like well you know that's cool <laughs> yeah yeah no it stands up real well I mean when you, you guys played uh, out here you played 13 Angels that's the first time I heard it live and I mean the goosebumps just hit me I'm like Man, I didn't know. Um, I know you did like intros of it before, but I never actually heard it in its, its entirety live. Um, for, right. for for me, I know you guys have been playing it for years, but and um, it just really like was like a highlight. I was like, wow, this song is is. And I remember it being powerful, you know, uh, when I first heard it. But like live, that's the things like to have those tracks like for me your guys' songs really like in that live atmosphere just live you know um so to know all all the riffs and 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 another thing is that you're always smiling there's a couple guys that are always smiling when i see him live <laughs> you like tommy victor from prong always this big smile on his face you know I remember... tommy's great man he's, oh. uh, i love that guy and uh well, you know, I... you know you're, t- you're talking about the live you know interpretation of the tunes where we we really do something just like it was on the record live. I mean, basically, but it's always got a different feel, and you know, things slow down sometimes. Sometimes they speed up. They just uh, we change things around a little bit, and and uh, you know, because you know, a lot of times we will go back and we'll listen to say the Wise Blood record, and some of the stuff that we're playing now are like, man, what the hell, you know? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, like a track like "Vote for uh, Vote with the Bullet." I mean, live. It's like I said. If you go back and listen to how it was done on Blind, the live version is so much more like I don't know how to explain it. Like, um, it's just such like a, a, a it's just a rager, you know. Opposed to like uh, the studio version, which is still really it's a fast, it's a good tune, but like live, I mean, it just it just makes me want to like mosh, you know. I'm always like, oh, here comes about for you know with the bullet. So it, you're right, and that's that's what's great though about your band is that like the skeleton of the songs you guys do, like when you hear them live, they feel different. Like the groove is just more, you know, and that might be amps opposed to headphones, you know, but. <laughs> 
little bit of that. It's also you get more familiarized with the tune. A lot of times you're in the studio, some of those tunes, especially on the new one, No Cross, No Crown, and we were like, we pretty much wrote all that stuff while we're in the studio. Nice. You know, just jamming, okay, I show up with a riff, or, or you know, Mike Dean or Pepper or whatever, and then we just, we figure out what, what riffs fit together. And, and so a lot of those things, we played them just a few times. Yeah, but whenever we revisit them for the live show, I'm sure they'll wind up being different, you know, in some respects, whether they're groovier or slower or more more confident, you know, because you always look back on things and say, man, if we'd have just, you know, had the chance to play them live, you know, for a couple months and then go record them, they probably would have came out a lot different. But that's just the nature of the beast when you're working, you know, doing albums, you know. A hundred percent, yeah. And now, has there ever been a song that you guys wrote and recorded, like, in the studio and you couldn't wait to bring it live but the audience didn't like react to it the way you guys thought they would uh I, you know i mean we're, there's there's one in particular off the meeting called the luddite which we actually we just did a, a, a video for this past week out mm. in, out in la I, i'm kind of interested to see how i can't wait to play that live but that, that transpired right in the studio that song did not exist you know an hour and a half before it was on tape you know <laughs> which is cool yeah. you know and so now you know we, we kind of had to relearn it just to go pretend to play it in the video you know or I did and uh, I'll have to relearn it when it comes time to play it live I'm sure we'll probably try to get it in the set for this, this Black Label tour coming up but uh, you know I'm interested to see how people react to that because it's it, it's a non-stop trucker I mean it does not stop for, for four minutes you know it's how exciting it's blistering it's one of those blistering songs that uh, I think it'll go over good live and I'll be interested to see how people react to it you know and that's another thing with you guys how, how because you guys do write like complete albums but every song you know it, it's it's pretty much could be a single it could be I mean every song like I said it's got the groove where how do you pick your first single uh, off a record like for example if, if we go back to Deliverance or or even Blind um, how do you guys decide what songs to, to put out there on the radio? Is that a, a conscious decision, or is it like management saying we should do this one? No, it's, it's us. We, you know, as a matter of fact, we don't even have have management. But who needs <laughs> them? Who needs, who needs that shit? But uh, you know, it, it's always tough because there there'll always be like three or four that are you know on our minds. Like, well, how do we want to come out of the gate on this one? And this time around. We're like, let's come out of the gate swinging, you know, nonstop. We're not going to, you know, pull any any bullshit on anybody. You know, we're going to go, you know, hard right out of the gate. And so that's what we're doing, you know, as far as, like, I consider kind of the video as the actual what would be the first single, the first although single. they've already thrown, uh, I guess the first stone's already kind of out there, you know. I don't, but, we, you know, it's like not singles anymore, you know. We're not trying to, we're not trying to get on, uh, you know, cast a local you know giant rock station you know like maybe back in the day people used to think about that kind of stuff but it's still a factor though, right or now is if you get the the fm radio plates it's still i know it's not as big as it was but it is still kind of a factor though right doesn't it still matter it may, it, it, it may be impactful you know for things like a lot of people that's, that's where they hear their music so if you can get on some of those stations i mean that's great I don't think it's a priority, at least for, for our band anymore, you know. Not that it ever really was, but yeah. that's not what we're thinking. That's, that's not where our heads are at, you know, when we're writing records. We're like, well, man, we need to write a really accessible rock song, you know. That's not, <laughs> 100%. That's not where our heads are at, you know. And that's a that's another thing that you, you did put a good point. For me, when a new album comes out, like, bands will put out two or three songs, and I usually just don't listen to them. I just pre-order the record, and then when I get it, 
I'll just listen to it in its entirety. Um, because I like to have that excitement until I have that physical copy in my hand. I'm like, all right, here it is. Let's right. go. Put it, on the, put it on the stereo and crank it up. Let's yeah. see what it is. Yeah. Exactly. You know what you mean, man. Yeah. I, there's a lot of bands that I, I, want, I try to approach like that, too. I, I want to hear it, you know? Yeah, because yeah. they, they write albums. You know, the music we listen to, I think, or I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, but like what I listen to, they write, you write albums. They don't write... Yeah, you write a damn album. You're not yeah. writing a song. You're writing, you know, 10, 15 songs that go together, and, and they're an album. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that's that's how I always approach it. Now I know it's, we do have to put out the songs and stuff like that, and and uh, and that's that's a, a great thing. Don't get me wrong. I know a lot of people are into the just the song aspect now, the Spotify and things like that. Um, so it makes sense. But for me, like I said, I, I, I put the the whole album on, and I just like I said, that's that's how I experience things, and hopefully. Uh, most people will go that way. So um, the new tour you just talked about, the tour is coming up. It's starting actually December 27th. So no yeah, years. Two days after Christmas. Can you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> actually, I was like, is this right? Because I, I wrote down 127 to 227. I thought that was a 30. No, it's a 60-day tour. You guys, are, you guys are going on the road for a hot minute here. Yeah, for, for us, it's a long way. We haven't gone out that, for quite that amount of time in a number of years. So it's uh, it's going to be a challenge, which is cool. You know? And I, I, it's going to be a great tour, you know, but it's a long one. Yeah, and it's in the winter, which always, I, I imagine, is a factor, correct? Well, you know, Edmonton in February, that's going to be awesome, right? Oh, you know? yeah, I didn't even know that. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And, and uh, you, know, you, you know, everybody tours in the summer or the spring, you know, so it's it's not going to be like there's a million people out on tour, you know, in the middle of winter. So it's kind of nice to do it that way, too. But I love the fact that you guys are always on a package tour that I want to see every band on. Is that something, like, do you guys do on purpose? Are you like, look, I, I, we got to go with Zeke, we got to go with Motorhead, we got to go with Clutch, we got to go with Lamb of God. Like, it's always a package tour that's, like, every band's right. audience wants to see right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been lucky enough to have been asked out on a lot of cool tours and if we're doing our own headline tour we try to make it an event too you know take out bands that we think are cool and, and deserve to be out you know so it's it's i think a lot of people are thinking that way now you know yeah and it, i think it's important these days but you guys black label society i hate god and red fang are, are uh, on select dates they're they're not doing the full tour but uh, that package for like a younger person to come see those three bands they're going to get yeah. just a, an amazing lesson from start to finish, but all three bands are headliners, you know? Um, it could be, absolutely, absolutely. So it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting tour. I think it'll it should do well. Um, you know, going out with Zach, he's a he's a workaholic man. I mean, he's just out there, man. He's he stays busy. So yeah, I I, yeah. I, I just saw him with Zach Sabbath, and I'm like, I, I I it's just I think he's just doing this for fun, you know? <laughs> like, it's amazing, right? And I was He's just, just having a good time out there. Man. Yeah, he, I, mean, I think it's great. He came out playing War Pigs, like in the audience <laughs> with the guitar behind him, and. Uh, and- and I was like, dude, this, I mean, you know, he's Ozzy's guitar player and he just walks right out into the crowd and doesn't care. I'm like, man, it's, it's, it's just yeah. great to see people love what they do. That's so right. important for me, you know? And, 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 and I think a lot of people, so, um, and then, uh, so the, the difference in, in when you are writing the last two records, like I said, you guys did as a three P you, Mike and Reed, great records, fantastically reviewed. I got to see you guys on tour and it was, it was a completely different experience, but just so much you know so much fun so um when you write a, a record though and then you incorporate like i said pepper the fourth member right what it how what is the difference in the writing process is it more of a oh go ahead well yeah i i, I think it's uh just the simple fact that 
there's another dude contributing, yeah. you know, adds another uh, element to it, you know. But, I mean, in general, you know, a lot of the three-piece stuff is is just reverting back to uh, to how we started out, you know. We, we were going for a little, a little more... Uh, Maybe I don't know. I don't want to say rough edge, but just you know, going going off the off the deep end on some of the faster shit, and you know. But we we threw a little uh, some doom in, in those records and stuff. But really, it's just the more people you add into the mix, the different you know the different dynamics come out, you know. And it's uh, I think we just always try to bring to stay true to what we do, you know, and and. Uh, whether it's uh, the four piece or when we were doing the three piece stuff, you know, it's, uh, it's awesome though, to be doing this material again. I'm I'm stoked, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the stuff, the four piece material, I'm, I'm I'm I love playing it all live. So any every other set list winds up being for this upcoming tour, I'll be I'll be happy about it. Excellent. So and I, and I actually when I did see the I had a, for me as as a correct I had technocracy uh, technocracy I can't even say it animosity I had those but I never had eye for an eye and you guys released it. and uh, yeah it was before I saw you guys and um, I believe it was with Dan we were just kids when we made that record you know we were, literally we were kids so it's like uh, yeah but it held up I, mean, I was really excited like when it, when I got it I was like and I got it was like a book you guys did a really good job with the reissue it was like a book I opened it up it had like a like a, it was like a hardbound book and then you know it had all these pictures and you kind of look back and you're like wow this is this is like 84 correct On that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well you know it was really 83 it came out in January of 84 so you know but it was like we the whole thing you know but that was our, our first foray and really man all those tunes were just sped up Black Sabbath riffs you know <laughs> 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 it showed our true roots even though it was like we were it was like a hardcore style record you know we were like coming from that that uh, that background you know it was like Sabbath was always our big our big thing and uh, half those riffs are just you know Sabbath riffs sped up. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I'm going to listen back to it now and be like, all right, I hear it. <laughs> so, yeah, I hear it now. You, you, you'll hear at least a couple of them. Yeah, you'll, you'll recognize. No doubt, man. And then, yeah, but with that, um, and with that record, like I said, I, I went back and listened, and then it just brought me back to the other ones because I have a tape of uh, the six songs with Mike singing that you guys put out. I have a cassette tape of that, and um, and I got that at like a, I mean, I want to say a Sam Goodies. I remember just, oh, what's this? And so. <laughs> And then recently, I did see that uh, the vocalist Eric Eric Eck he did pass. So I didn't. Know yeah, he, I he recently. Yeah, he was uh, he was the vocalist on the on the first the first record there. Yeah. On eye for an eye. So I just wanted to see if there was any. Uh, and then we, I mean, in recent news, not too long ago, uh, Chuck Mosley passed. You know, from Faith No More. So I was thinking, and I, I kind of put the two together. I'm like, w- w- can you share like a positive kind of story that you had uh, through that whole process with him? Well, well you know, back in the day, he was he was a man. I mean, you know. He was a fantastic frontman. He was, uh, he, he, he wasn't the greatest vocalist, but he was a great frontman, which was perfect for that that genre and that, that time period. And, and he had a, a just a great knowledge of music himself. You know, he he he'd been following, you know, that sort of harder edge, you know, whether it be punk rock or whatever for years and years. And he introduced us to. Bands too, so he was—he was just a good guy, you know. I hate, hate that he, uh, you know, what happened to him or whatever, but uh, he was a good guy, man. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and like I said, there, is there any video out there um, that we can see of you guys performing together? Do you know? I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't have any. Well, like, 
with, with Eric? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some live stuff, man. Like, uh, you know, little things will crop up on YouTube or something like that. Uh, it seems like there was one from Richmond that was pretty wild, you know, back in the days, like a, you know, 1983, so-and-so Richmond. And it's pretty cool, man. He's going crazy, and we're all losing our heads and oh. playing on 10. You know how it is, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I mean, I, I, I wish. I, I honestly don't. But, yeah, because I, I didn't get to experience that time frame. But I just remember going back when I was into that, the trying to get into the, the punk rock days. Like you said, none of them were great vocalists, like Darby from the Germs. But, like, they just had what a front man needs, you know? Like, they had presence. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, even like, I mean, like I said, Henry Rollins would always just, I was just enthralled by him, you know? And then as years went by, when you had a Phil Anselmo or something like that come through, and there was, like, a, I think good vocals with that same energy, then the whole game changed. But to have both that energy. And the talent, like it, you needed it both. So to have both sides beforehand was a uh, was was really cool to see. So I hope people do go check that out. But uh, back to the new record, yeah. So um, with the uh, with, well, actually on the let me let me go back one one step real quick because I know Reed did have kind of a an incident, a health issue while you guys were on tour with Clutch. So how, how did that go? Everything okay with him now? I mean, was yeah, just an I missed a couple gigs, whatever, and you know, we moments every once in a while but he's fine man he's, oh good he's on 10 right now so you know he's, he's doing great awesome yeah so he's 100 percent. no issues there everything's gonna be good absolutely that's what I like to hear, man. We just wanted to check in on that. So, and then uh, with with the new record, like I said, COC it always had like a, a message, you know. And it seems like the climate of what's going on in the world, or like in the states, um, does bleed through in a lot of your guys' lyrics and a lot of what you guys are, are, are talking about. So, does this current like kind of climate in America is a lot of that in the new record? I, I, th- I think it touches on you know. It, you know, Keenan is a vocalist. I think he tries oh, to steer yes. away from being so pointed and obvious about things, which is good. Yes. You know, you don't you don't want to date your 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 record and, and have it be about you know specific current events or whatever's going on. But I think uh, I think he does a great job of and steering it, and 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 we all kind of you know talk about things and what's going on. And, and on this record, we we need the title of the record for. Almost two years, because you know we the very some of the very first stuff we did, we just came across that somewhere, and it was like, wow, okay, now we can kind of feed off that that idea for for other elements of the record, and it helps a lot, you know, whenever you're trying to put things together and and, and have ideas come together and be cohesive, and yeah, so no cross, no crown. I mean, I think that says a lot. You can interpret yes. it a few different ways, but yeah, it's <laughs> sort of a theme of the whole record, you know. And the in three or four different songs, so yeah. Oh, cool, man! And then the artwork, the Pe- Pepper did the artwork. I don't know for a fact. I just saw it, and I was assuming. Did he do the artwork? What about the did Pepper do the artwork on the record too? Well, yeah, we we found we found a, a photo, yeah. and uh, just sort of digitally, you know, changed it around and did our own own kind of vibe to it. And uh, we've we've got a buddy uh, down in New Orleans, uh, Vance, who who helped us with it, and he's just. Uh, that's the one that was everybody got behind you know it just kind of it kind of fits you know 
No, it's it's great. Yeah, I, I know. I've seen a lot of like he's done a lot of the album artwork though through the years. Like he did like Wise Blood and 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 all that. stuff so and and i mean to, to bring up down like how is that uh is it hard to navigate between the two bands uh for him because i know that they're down's not active right now i know that and and coc the train is rolling but is there like a, a lot of conversations about when and where that's going to happen like, if, if those bands are wanting to be active at the same time yeah i mean there's, you know you gotta plan stuff around but see all those dudes in down have other bands, other bands you know yeah. Yes. You know? <laughs> in all fairness to the fans, like we we deserve some more corrosion conformity years. He, he had a lot of down years. Okay. <laughs> so let, you know, let, let's 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 give us some more coc for a little while. You know. What I'm saying? So uh, and I love down. Don't get me wrong. One of my favorite bands. But uh, I've been missing. Like I said, the second you guys reunited, it was so exciting. And I only got to see you twice on the last. Well, it's only been two years, so twice is pretty good. But uh, I want a couple more. I want a couple more shows. You know, before we get to the other side of the fence. So, uh, with I mean, with that, man, um, tour is starting, like you said, December 27th. You're going to have a lot of fat-bellied people with gifts showing up at that. I'm telling you, man, we're going we're gonna to be the same way, man, honk out, you know? <laughs> so, but, uh, man, it starts in Denver, which is cool. The Mile City, so we'll be breathing that Mile High air. That'll add to it, man, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's going to, oh, it's going to be a fun one, man. I know you guys yeah. are hitting Vegas, so I'm going to be at one show. I can't wait. Yeah. We're at Vegas, man. It, it, it's, it goes all the way to the end of February. Uh, I think the last gigs in, in LA somewhere. So it's uh, it's going to be a long one for us. And they're, they're already talking about stuff going on after that. So nice. Maybe they'll give us a day or two at home before the next thing starts. We'll just find out, man. <laughs> You'll get one in the summer when it's nice. You'll be like, yeah, take June yeah. off. <laughs> so it might be it might be a, a a good way. But yeah, and and with Black Label Society, guys, December twenty seventh. Do not miss that tour. All the way to. 227 pretty much all of north america it, i mean it really is i looked at it i was like it's very few dates that you you can't uh find this tour and who would want to miss this tour black label side coc i hate god and or red fang which like i said all four bands are amazing and um and then new record no cross no crown we keep talking about it cast the first zone is out right now a video for the bloodlight is that did i say that correctly the bloodlight the blood, sorry about that is is in the bag we're gonna see that well before this new record comes out which is friday january 12 2018 pre-order it check it out it's through nuclear blast and this is your guys's first uh this is the first time through nuclear blast the last record was it's our first record for nuclear blast we actually signed with them over a year ago oh nice Monty Connor had been, you know, it's like, well, okay, we're going, and so we did. And he was like, they were, they were like, and Monty and all the guys at Nuclear Blast were like, hey, take it, worry about it, you know. <laughs> we, we, we want the record that we want, and we, whenever it comes out, it doesn't matter. Take your time. So we did. You know, we took our time and made it right. You know. Yeah, I did read that it's uh, you guys like and it, 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 it recorded in like forty days, but really it was like a year of like kind of writing. Is that correct? Yeah, almost. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know exactly how long it was. But uh, we probably spent a total of forty days. But see, 
we would spend about four or five intense days working on it, and we would all be worn out after that and go home for you know a couple of weeks, and then we'd show up again, and that was like our process for it. You know? Nice, yeah, that's that's I I am I am too excited. So everybody, again, first must-have record of 2018: no cross, no crown, new corrosion of conformity with Pepper, um, and. New listeners, if you haven't put your mitts on Deliverance, Wiseblood, America's Volume Dealer, and or In the Arms of God. And I'm going to go ahead and say, obviously, Blind is a five-star record. Go back to Blind. Um, go get your, go listen to them all. Do it on your little Spotify's. Do it whatever you can. But you got to get yourself prepped. You have a couple months before you get your hands on this new record so you know. And do not miss this tour with Black Label and I Hate God. Um Woody, man, like I said, it's so excited to finally get it to, to chat with you. I'm more than excited about the new record. So uh, I want to thank you so much, man, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Yeah, I appreciate you guys taking the time and looking forward to seeing everybody out on the road, brother. All right. Awesome, man.
Sucks Podcast.
what a what a joy, man. Awesome. And that's the one thing I said in the interview is like, anytime you see Woody playing, he's always smiling. There's a couple of guys that are always got this jackhammer smile on their face when I see him. I'm like, yes, dude. And you just know. And Woody's one of those guys. First song we played, guys, is off the new record, No Cross, No Crown, January 12th, 2018. Pre-order that right away. It's on New Cube Last Records. Uh, first song is Cast the First Stone. If that song didn't make you run out and just want to pre-order this, uh, then I don't know what will, because it's just perfect. Second song we played, wanted to play something new for you guys. Um, that is uh, in the vein, I think, of the COC world. Uh, that is from a band called All Souls. Their record comes out February of 2018, so we're playing it a little early. They're an L.A.-based band, but uh, really dig the record a lot. Uh, that song is called Never Know. A little different, a little rocky, but hey, it fits in the COC vein for sure. So definitely check out that band, All Souls. And uh, that will do it with uh, for this week's Metal Sucks podcast, guys. Uh, yeah, we got it into the serial killers and we glorification of violence. It felt a little deep. Right, right. Well, the thing is, those, I, it's we're like, grown-ups. Look, look we are grown-ups, and uh, we don't like fear. I'll admit, I was probably the one that derailed the whole deal. Because, I just brought, again, I just, I just love how society will villain, villain uh, you know, just make someone to be a villain when they're doing one thing and then, but somebody will do the same thing. And all of a sudden it's like, they don't receive nowhere near the amount of exposure or hate or infamy. The world will, uh, everybody learns at a certain uh, time that history repeats itself. And we've all seen everything that's going on right now. We've seen it before in the past yep. and everybody will learn that life is a gray area. It's not black and white. And then we'll all be fine. Oh, it's all, it's it's all great. Wow. Man. It's all do great. we have a little bell sounder we can play for that? Yeah, No yeah. shit. I feel like a life wisdom. I feel like Morgan Freeman should have said that. Oh. Oh, yeah. you. Yeah. Do, you, do you do you have a maybe a, a sounder you can play for Jocelyn or something? How about this? Goddamn the mosh pit! Aha! You, you cut it. it off! Ha ha ha! Um, um, any? Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> and then um, I had one more thing I was gonna say. <laughs> I think I until would. next week, my <laughs> friends. Coach. <laughs> Metal Sucks Podcast. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving, man. Uh, thank you again for more five-star reviews. Keep showing up. You guys mean the world to us, man. I love doing the show for you guys. So we'll talk to you guys next week. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. <laughs>